Thanks, Russ. It is good being back here a second time and looking forward to our session this morning. Uh, as Russ mentioned yesterday, this is on, right? Okay. As Russ mentioned yesterday, I am a pastor of a church, Evangelical Free Church, in, in La Habra, California, and uh, that's in uh, Orange County. Actually, it's close to, it's about 15 minutes, 20 minutes away from Fullerton, uh, EV Free, where Chuck Swindoll ministers. So we send our overflow to his church. <laughs> Actually, we get more of his people than he gets of ours, so it works out quite nice. But I didn't always want to be a pastor. There was a day when I wanted to be a parachutist, but nothing ever opened up. Oh, good, there are a few that haven't heard these. Great. <laughs> then I want to be a telephone operator, but I just had too many hang-ups. Yeah, you grown now, but you're going to tell your friends later, right? I know it. I know that. Then I want to be a muffler salesman, but it was just too exhausting. Then I want to be a hot dog salesman, but I just couldn't cut the mustard. <laughs> you're losing interest. <laughs> Then I wanted to be a weightlifter, but things were just too pressing. Then I wanted to be a banker, but I lost all interest. You're catching on. Then I wanted to be a teacher, but I lost all my faculties. Then I wanted to be a chemist, but it was just too... I got you. It was just too vile. <laughs> okay. More? Is that, was that what you said more over here? All righty. Well, we want to look at, again, the topic of discipling. And just by way of, of review, yesterday we looked at the definition of a discipling ministry. And uh, we noticed that there are three phases in a discipling ministry that which correspond to three desires God has. first desire was that of salvation, which corresponds to evangelizing people, right? Okay. And then, second desire God had was maturity, which, I'm going to push this over here, which corresponded to the second phase, which is edifying. Evangelizing, then you edify, you build them up. And then the third desire God has was that of reproduction, and the corresponding function in discipling ministry was that of, of uh, equipping. Go. I now send you to do in others what I've done to you. Then we looked at some identifying marks of a discipling ministry, that which distinguishes it from other ministries. And we look, first of all, at the identifying mark of guardianship. Well, your response is so encourages me. Were, that's great. Okay, now you'll do much better in this one. The second identifying mark was example. Good. Then the third identifying mark we looked at was that of direction. You know where you're headed in a discipling ministry. It isn't just getting together and kind of seeing what happens. Then we looked at another identifying mark, which was that of time. Time. It's not a short-term, but a long-term commitment. And then, of course, the uh, obscene photo here, that of commitment of one's life. It's a person-to-person, face-to-face encounter. And uh, then we looked at another identifying mark, that of numerical limitation. Depending on your experience, depending on time availability, uh, that will determine the number of people you can spend time with. And then, of course, finally, we looked at the, the uh, factor there of friendship, of friendship. And so let me just leave on the, uh, on the overhead. Someone asked me to do this. 
a complete definition. This is a little different in a different form than I gave it to you yesterday. The columns aren't right, but uh, that will give you the idea of the uh, complete definition of a discipling ministry. I'll just leave that on for a few minutes. Okay, so anyway. Uh, <laughs> okay, this morning we want to look at, now that we have kind of the foundation and the definition of a discipling ministry, what, what it is and some of the elements involved in it, we want to look at the importance of it. Why is it important? What's the value of it? What is the importance of a discipling ministry? And, and this, this is really critical, and I hope that this morning it will be somewhat motivational to you as you, as you consider this, uh, this ministry. I want to look at several areas. First of all, I want to look at the importance of discipling to Christ. To Christ. The importance of a discipling ministry to Christ. You know, it really is, uh, as you examine the ministry of Christ, you can't help but see the emphasis that he placed on a discipling ministry. You know, it was, it was his desire, his clear mission, to make provision for the sins of the world, right? And so he came to seek and save those who were lost. Now, how did he do it? Did he uh, rent out uh, the uh, gospel blimp, you know, and drop tracks over Jerusalem? Is that his method? Did he take out an ad in the uh, Jerusalem Times saying, this is why I'm here? No. What did he do? Well, of course, he preached. He proclaimed the message. But he gathered about himself men that he could pour his life into. And then these men then went out and did the same to others. Men were his method. And from the very beginning of his ministry, his strategy centered on his men. How many of you have read the excellent book, Master Plans of Evangelism by Coleman? Can I see your hand? Okay, you all need to write that down. And uh, that is a must reading, uh, in addition to the other many books I'm sure you're already reading. But write down Master Plan of Evangelism. And if you have any free time, I'd encourage you to read that book by Robert Coleman, Master Plan of Evangelism. And he, he has done an excellent work there in uh, pointing out that Jesus invested so much more time in his disciples compared to time given that one, one can only conclude that he had a, a well-thought-out strategy. It wasn't a haphazard kind of let's-see-what-happens kind of thing, but there was a, a strategy to it. Now, after pouring his life into these men, he resurrected, he was ready to ascend. What did he say to the men? What did he say? And imagine if, if you were there. And imagine if Jesus said this. Well, men, I just wanted to get the whole gang back together again for one final shot. Men, it's been a rough week. In fact, it's been a stormy three years. Uh, those Pharisees never did change. We gave them all we had. Didn't make too much of a dent. But men, I want to say something to you from the bottom of my heart. Hey, thanks for sticking with me. And further, I want you uh, men now to realize that I'm grateful for all that you left to follow me and all you gave up to follow me. Matthew, the tax collecting business. Peter, the fishing business. Simon, the zealot business. It's time now to take your place back in society. I'm starting to have to take loss in all your businesses. I'm leaving you shortly. You won't be able to find me. But that's the plan. Hey, just try to remember all the good times we had together. Is that what he said? Well, no, not at all. But you know, a lot of Christians live and exist as if that's exactly what he said. What did he say? Well, in Matthew 28, 18 to 20... All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples. 
of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28, 18-20. He said, he said, make disciples, teach them. And when he tells us today to continue the work that he began by following the same strategy. And as I mentioned yesterday, it's kind of significant that one of the earliest remarks of Jesus, recorded remarks anyway, to his men was not, follow me and I'll be your friends, or follow me and I'll solve your problems, but it was, follow me because I have a mission. I'm going to make you fishers of men. You see? He had a task with him to People who was close to his heart. Does, does the value that Christ places on a discipling ministry affect you? Following his example, are his interests your interests? Men were his men. People were important. The importance of a discipling ministry to him. And by the way, as I go through these, I fail to mention this. I know that, it, that in this group there are some definitely who are uh, ready to disciple others. Uh, probably the majority here are saying, Alan, I need somebody to disciple me. And so as, as we talk, you have to relate it to your particular situation. But there are some here who, who, who have a lot of knowledge. You've got a lot of input. Maybe I'm even talking to some of the faculty who, who are here. And God says, who are you investing your life? Is Christ's desire, is his method your method? The importance of discipling to Christ. Let's look second at the importance of discipling to the church, to the church, to Christ and to the church. I want you to write down this statement. The discipling ministry strengthens the church body. It strengthens the church body and perpetuates God's work. Discipling ministry strengthens the church body and perpetuates God's work by developing godly leaders for the church. There's our godly leader right there. Discipling ministry strengthens the church body and perpetuates God's work by developing godly leaders for the church. It perpetuates God's work. It causes God's work to continue. It perpetuates God's work by developing godly leaders for the church. You know, people, the church has always desperately been in need of, of, of young, strong leaders. And it's usually those who have been discipled and directed who've, who have risen to levels of leadership. Why? Because it's usually those people who have been the ones who have been counseled, encouraged, affirmed, motivated, directed, trained. And it's obvious that they'll just rise to levels of leadership. And as the leaders then are developed, then God's word continues. I like what one man said in a discipling seminar. He said that discipling involves carrying on the plan of God without a break in the cadence. I like that. It involves carrying on the plan of God without a break in the case. In other words, God's work doesn't stop. It continues. And that's what 2 Timothy 2.2 is about. Write down that verse. Paul says, paraphrase, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, what I have told you, now I want you to take these things and entrust them to faithful men who then will take them and teach others also. We're going to look at this whole reproduction cycle tomorrow. But he says, Timothy, I don't want there to be a break in the cadence of God's work. I want it to continue. I don't, I don't want it to stop. And people, this ministry is critical for the church. It will strengthen the church body. And it will perpetuate God's work in the church by developing godly leaders. 
Do you know why the first hundred universities and colleges in the United States were established and founded? You know what they were? They were preacher schools. Harvard, Dartmouth, Yale, Princeton, and so on. Kind of seminaries. Somewhere along the line in history there, someone forgot to take what God was doing in their life and they failed to pass it on to the next generation. Now these schools are anything but, you know, evangelical preacher school. You know why the YMCA got started? It got started in the mid-1800s as a home uh, Bible study by George Williams. Christ Center. Somewhere along the line of history, someone forgot to take what God was doing in their life and pass it to the next generation. And now you YMCA, you're able to eliminate the Y and the M and the C and you just have basically an A, an association. Someone forgot to take what God was doing in their life and pass it on. And so God's work has stopped. And, and, and every, whether it's a church, whether it's a school, has to face it. Or what are we doing to transfer the work, God's work, to the next generation? that his work won't stop. It's critical. If the church is to continue as a strong, dynamic, working fellowship of believers who adhere to the truth, the ministry of discipling is essential. People investing their life in others. And people who are willing to submit themselves to godly examples and say, I want to follow you. I want to be like you because I see Christ's life in you. The importance of discipling to the church. Third, the importance of discipling to the discipler. The importance of discipling to the discipler. You know, this is uh, this is really exciting to think about. God has used the men that. I've had the opportunity to disciple as his instruments, his means of bringing incredible joy to my life. And that's the first point under this. I want to give you some reasons why it's important to the discipler. Because it brings joy to the discipler. It does. It brings joy to the discipler. You know, whenever a person is obedient to God's commandments, and going and making disciples is a command, God always brings joy. He always does. There's always blessing and obedience. And God, as I said, has used the young men I've discipled to bring joy to my life. What a privilege, you know, to see someone struggle in, in, in areas of sin in their life and then watch them overcome it and, and, and watching them learn how to pray and watching them learn how to study the Bible and discover truths on their own. It, it's incredible. Paul says this. I, I love it. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. You really see that, that people matter to Paul. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. see that his priority was people. And look at verse 19 and 20. 1 Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20. Paul says this, For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. I love it. Paul's priority was people. He said, you have brought me joy, and when Christ returns, I will be joyous because of you. Several years ago, I met a young man on a college campus. His name was Jim, and I 
challenged him to begin meeting with me in a discipling ministry, and, and we started a kind of a one-on-one -on -one relationship. And our friendship grew and grew as we spent time, and his trust, of course, was developed. And I remember one day I looked at Jim and I said, Jim, I just want you to know, you have brought me incredible joy. You have no idea the amount of joy you, God is, has brought to my life because of you. Well, he thought about it, and he didn't you know, think too much about it. About a year later, he came back to me and he said, You know, Alan, remember a year ago when you told me that I brought you joy? I said, I sure do. He goes, Well, I didn't understand exactly what you meant, but he goes, Now I'm meeting with Dave. And now I understand how I can bring you joy, because, Alan, it's exciting to be able to pour my life into Dave and to see him grow in you, in, in Christ. It's exciting to see that. Young man I mentioned yesterday, Ray, that I met by the jacuzzi and then he became best man at my wedding. In fact, I'm going to see if he can even come tomorrow and maybe uh, I'll uh, do a little Q&A with him so you can uh, see someone in the flesh that uh, has been discipled and maybe that'll be a motivation. But he wrote this letter several years ago when we were still meeting. Imagine receiving a letter like this. He said, Dear Al, I really wanted to take time to let you know just how much you mean to me as a brother and a friend. Through the hard times and the easy times, you've always been there. He was going through a divorce situation at that time. He was a new Christian. Upholding me in prayer, encouraging me, teaching me, you have never failed me, and I just thank God for bringing us together as friends. Al, sometimes I don't really appreciate your discipling as much as I should or let you know it when I should either. But I do very seriously appreciate you for the invaluable lessons you're giving me. It makes me want to really strive to learn all that I can and benefit as much as possible from this learning opportunity while I can. I know that there will be a time when the Lord will impress in your heart to let me out on my own. I don't look forward to that time as much as I should, but I know it will be another step in my life of serving the Lord and letting Him teach me new things in my life. I can look over the past year of my spiritual childhood and, and truly see changes that I can only attribute to the Lord. And a lot of that growth He has accomplished through your discipling me. Through your example as a godly man has become my desire to be all the man that God wants me to be and to settle for nothing less than God's best in my life. Brother, there's no way to express my appreciation except by thanking God for the blessing you've been to me and telling you that from the bottom of my heart, I love you. Oh, man. Who is my joy? It'll be Ray. The men like him. Incredible. I mean, I think I went on about six months after receiving that note. You know, man, I was just motivated to see God use me and the incredible joy and to see the effect of a discipling ministry in his life. Discipling brings joy. Let me give you another thing regarding uh, its impact in the life of the discipler. Now, this is the older, mature Christian. It purifies the life of the discipler. It purifies the life. You know, God is in the business of, of changing our lives and bringing us into conformity to His image, and He'll use anything He can to do that. He'll use His Word, He'll use trials, and He'll use the ministry. He'll use our service. And, and He has used this a discipling ministry in my life to reveal things about me that I didn't even know about. I mean, I didn't know how insensitive I could be or how harsh I could be with people until I got close to people. It's kind of like a, a marriage relationship. You know, you don't realize what a sinner you are until you get married. And, and, and as, as the two lives kind of uh, 
you know, come into contact with each other daily and you're always interacting and discussing and, I mean, you see how selfish you can be. And there's a principle I like to share is that one matures as one ministers. One matures as one ministers. Not that you have to be perfect before you, you disciple someone. But certainly there has to be some level of consistency. But God uses the ministry to mature us. And he chips away at our life. Another thing, though, is that discipling not only brings joy to the discipler, not only does it purify the life of the discipler, but it develops ministry skill in the discipler. I mean, you really learn how to teach someone. You learn how to counsel someone. You learn how to motivate. You learn how to lead. It develops ministry skills. And finally, it provides an outlet for the disciple. An outlet for the disciple. You know, it's very easy for Christians to become reservoirs of knowledge with no output, you know? Kind of like the stagnant Dead Sea, rich but going nowhere. And, uh, when you work with a less mature Christian, you know, you're, you're pouring your life into that individual. And, and now there's a, there's a chance for you now to give to that person what you're receiving. I kind of like, I like looking at it this way. In terms of a balanced, what I call a balanced relational life. This might be kind of good for you to just to remember. As you think about five relationships that make up, I believe, a balanced relational life for the Christian. One of them, these aren't in any order, but one would be a relationship, of course, with God. And hopefully we all have that here. Another one would be a relationship with a, what I call a spiritual peer. Someone that you're going through the same thing. You know, you're, you're kind of at the same level of Christian growth. You're going through the same struggles together. A spiritual peer. And maybe uh, that uh, person is, is here at, at, at the church you attend. Someone that you're of like mind, like heart, and, and you share the same struggles. Then another one would be someone who is an older Christian or mature Christian, where you are now being discipled by an older person in the Lord. And then a fourth one would be someone that you are discipling, someone that you can pour your life into. And then the fifth relationship would be with an unbeliever, an unbeliever. And that's kind of a, a good grid just to think about. So those are some of the advantages in the life of the disciple. So we looked at Christ, the church, the discipler. Now let's look at the importance of discipling to the disciple. And I know this is where many of you are. The importance of discipling to the disciple. You know, people, I'll, I'll tell you that a discipling ministry is of incredible value to the disciple. Unfortunately, most Christians stay in a stage of spiritual immaturity for many years because no one has taken a personal interest in them. I want to I survey this group. And here's a question. Has any one individual spent time with you on a regular basis to help you grow as a young Christian? When you became a Christian, for how many of, of you was this true, that, that there was an individual who spent regular time with you to help you grow as a young Christian? Raise your hand. I'm just curious. Okay, maybe about 30. You know, uh, that's really sad. 
you know, there, there are a lot of needs that, that new Christians have. And it's essential that there be a, a more mature believer coming alongside and saying, hey, I love you, I care for you, and can I, can I help you? And there needs to be initiation taken on, on our parts to seek out people, to go to those people, to look around in the churches where we attend and say, who's a godly person here in this group or in this church that can spend time with me? One, one young man told me, he said, Alan, the years I wasn't discipled, I really struggled. I wouldn't wish that on anybody. There's a, there's a guy on staff at, uh, at Grace Community Church. She said, I became out, I became a Christian at age 13, and it wasn't until 13 years later that someone took an interest in me and that I even sought out someone to disciple me. And he said, at age 26, that's when I started to grow as a Christian because there was accountability and there was concern and there was love. Let me show you why this is so important to the disciple. One reason is that Discipling increases the rate of the disciples' growth. Discipling increases the rate of the disciples' growth. You know, uh, hopefully our our growth is going to be consistent. And, and the consistent personal attention given by an older godly individual can only increase the rate of a person's growth. I mean, imagine the benefit of, of having someone spend time with you and, and asking you questions about your Christian walk and holding you accountable and giving you direction, answering questions. Uh, about two years ago, my wife and I, we became parents of a, of a little boy, and we didn't really know, you know, the first thing about raising children. We still don't know a lot about that, but, but we had a lot of questions. Well, right about that time, uh, a gentleman came into my office. He was channeled to me from uh, by Fred Barshaw and and uh, Fred had him come to me since I was pastoring the Young Mary's group there. And he said, why don't you work with him? I think he has something to offer in the area of, of discipling and parenting. I said, I don't know this guy, but I started meeting with him. My wife and I committed ourselves to meeting with him regularly uh, every, every week. And he and his wife discipled us in the area of parenting. And now he's on staff at Grace and doing some films with John and some other people. It's been exciting to see what God is doing in his life. Uh, but, you know, I looked back in that time and I thought, Lord, what would have happened had he not been there? We just kind of learned the whole parenting process by trial and error. But we had someone that we could go to and say, hey, what about this? What about that? You know, now we're, we're struggling with mealtime with our little boy. You know, instead of eating his food, he likes to play with the spoon and the fork and, uh, and do all sorts of things. So, I mean, what do you do? How do you control the behavior of meal? Well, you know, these are questions that, that we're having and we're not exactly sure all the answers. But there's someone we can go to and we can say, hey, Gary, what do we do? Give us some insight. Give us some wisdom. It increases the rate of the disciples' growth, whether you're talking about the Christian life, whether you're talking about parenting, or whatever it might be. And there's, I know, in a group this size, there are some of you who are at the same level of Christian growth. Some of you are thinking that being in an environment of a Christian college and maybe taking some courses, that that's going to be the answer. You know, people, content is great, and you're getting excellent content here. But unless you have someone beside you asking you some pointed questions, how's it going in this area of your life? Hey, what about this? Hey, can we pray together? And unless you have someone that you can go to and say, hey, I'm struggling in this area, can you hold me accountable? Or, or you know, you'll remain at the Come June, you'll be at the same place you are right now. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. If 
increases the rate. Let me give you a second. It stops wrong behavioral patterns in the disciple. It stops wrong behavioral patterns in the disciple. You know, we're creatures of habit, and it's unfortunate but true that we live in habit patterns longer than we really need to, especially those that are displeasing to God. And we bring into the Christian life some pretty raunchy living patterns, right? So the loving, gentle correction of a mature believer can, can help give the guidance, kind of like in athletics. You know, the coach will say, uh, hey, you know, that's all wrong. Uh, this is what you do over here. You know, you don't toss the ball in the serve in tennis, you know, five feet behind you. It's kind of like this, and this is a release point. And same thing is true in the Christian life. You know, perhaps when you were a new Christian, no one took the time to lovingly correct you. Think how much sooner victory would have come if you had someone that you could go to who could love you, care for you, teach you, counsel you, instruct you. Third, discipling not only increases the rate of the disciples' growth, it not only stops wrong behavioral patterns in the disciples, but third, it protects the disciple. It protects the disciple. And what I mean by that is it protects the disciple from the attacks of the enemy. You know, I, I think that a, an immature Christian is more likely to be defeated than a mature Christian. You know, it's easy for the immature Christian to believe Satan's lies, doubting his salvation or his God's love or uh, uh, and forgiveness. And, and he becomes discouraged in gaining, you know, victory and, and mastery over, over sin in his life. The problem is that an immature Christian hasn't built up resistance to Satan's attack. And where's victory found? It's found in the Word, right? But he doesn't know the Word. He's kind of like uh, somewhat defenseless, like a quarterback, uh, quarterback with no blockers, right? In fact, in Ephesians 6.13, he, he has pants on, by the way, okay? I just thought I'd mention that. In Ephesians... Uh, in Ephesians 6.13, it says, Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist. But a new Christian's armor is somewhat scanty. He has the helmet of salvation and a tiny shield of faith. But, but there he is, you know, just kind of uh, susceptible to the attacks. And so in a discipling ministry, you're, spiritually, you're getting spiritually dressed up, right? Protects the disciples from the attacks. Satan, the flesh, the world. You know, I remember the, the, the group I had. There were some, they were about college age guys at that time. I thought about the impact of a discipling ministry in their life. I thought about these points of stopping wrong behavioral patterns and protecting the disciple and so on. And I know it's really hard. It's hard, I know, especially for you young men. I mean, who are you going to to talk honestly and openly about your sexual temptation? Some of you are struggling with guilt right now. And I know that. I just assume that, especially when I disciple young guys, because, because you don't know how to deal with it. I mean, the drives get really strong, and, and you're operating under guilt most of the time. And, and I, I know the guys that, that I disciple, and I look back on my life as a college young man, and, and I know it was tough. And it was great just to be able to be in a context of an emotional home with someone you know, that, that we could talk about it and, and pray for each other. And, and we didn't have to live our Christian life always you know, out of guilt, but 
understanding God's love and his forgiveness and, and dealing with being accountable to people. And some of you I know will wipe out. I hope you don't. But this year, because it'll, it'll be so difficult and there's no one that you can talk to, I just, I just encourage you, you men and you women, to seek out people in your churches where, who, who are old or godly that, that you can build a relationship with. Text the disciple. Not only that, but it provides the disciple with counsel. <laughs> I hope you never get that bad. You know, when I became a, a Christian, I had so many questions and I had so many ideas, things I wanted to do, and there were so many things I thought God was leading me to do. You know, well, gee, I think He wanted me to do this, and I think He wants me to do this, and, and I can—I know several times I was ready to go in a wrong direction. But I touched base with the people who led me to the Lord. And I said, what do you think about this? And they said, Alan, I just want you to know, you'd be violating a principle of the Word of God if you took that step. I said, you're kidding, really? And having someone, again, who's old or godly, you, you can go to and you can ask those questions. And then you'll avoid getting involved in some pretty wacko things that Christians can get involved in by the wisdom and counsel of older Christians. Are you convinced? you see the importance of it in your life? Is there someone at the church you attend that you can go to, whether the pastor or youth pastor or a leader or whatever, that you can go to, someone you can say, would you disciple me? I want to be in a one-on-one -on -one or a small group relationship. I, I need to grow. I don't want this year to be a wasted year. I want to, in June, I want to be able to look back in the school year and say, I've not only gotten my grades and I've not only done this and involved myself in this, but I love Jesus Christ more. And I'm a holier person than I was in September. And I love His truth more. And I've gained victory over areas of my life that I've struggled with for the first few years of my Christian life. And the reason is because I've been involved in a relationship where there was love, there was accountability, there was trust, and I could just lay myself out open and say, hey, this is what's going on in my life. Would you check up on me? Is that something that interests you? Would you do that? Would you seek out people to take that kind of initiation? Well, tomorrow we want to look at the whole area of a reproduction ministry. An exciting thing once I caught the vision, it thrilled me. Let's close in prayer. Father, it just hurts me because I know that there are some young people here who are struggling. And some of the thoughts that I've shared have been really intimidating to them. And I know that uh, come a few months from now, they'll be no different than they are now. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage and the boldness and the conviction that by an act of their will, they would make a decision to reach out to someone, to find someone, to disciple them. And I pray that they would experience the incredible joy and growth and victory and love that's found within such a relationship. Lord, I don't know who that individual might be that they would seek out. I don't know how you in a sovereign way will direct and lead, but I know you care for these, these people. They're your children. You love them. 
and you've provided resources for them to grow. So I pray that they would take this to heart and that this year again would be a life-changing year because of an accountability relationship they're involved in. Thank you again for the privilege that's been mine to be able to teach my brothers and sisters in Christ's name.